Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, early signing day, or at least the initial aspects of early signing day in the books. Uh, look forward to getting your opinion on uh, these players. We'll both kind of give you a little bit of a historical perspective as to uh, you know what the two of us have a, a broader perspective of the prospect, and then also kind of what uh, the coaching staff said about each guy or a little snippet as we make our way through the class. Uh, want to thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana hot sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, and the driving force behind the null cast. Want to uh, congratulate you, my man. I can't say that I watched all eight or nine hours, but I did watch probably four half, five of uh, your, your yeoman's work on the CBS network today. That was great to see you out there. Did a good job. And uh, not quite as related to the null cast, but do want to... Uh, Tip my hat to Brian McFadden. Did an exceptional job hosting the uh, Seminole Signing Day thing. So, uh, man, it was great to see you on the TV, on the computer, and uh, we'll look forward to getting your opinion a little more Florida State-centric here over the next 30, 45 minutes or so. Hey, man, I really appreciate that. It was uh, it was fun time on, on CBS Sports HQ, and uh, eight hours is a lot of signing day coverage. I mean, that is, that's a ton. A lot of wins for Florida State today on the recruiting trail, I thought. Um, you know, not going to sugarcoat it. This is not a great class, but I think if you've been listening to us for most of the year, you realize this is not going to be a great class. But I, I thought they did some very, very good things as far as getting that signing day party together there. You know, even with COVID, I, th- I thought Brian McFadden w- was a really nice touch to you know, sort of have a former player and, and maybe incorporate uh, you know, greater buy-in from you know, the, the Seminole football alumni, uh, you know, get the boosters involved, which they obviously need pretty badly right now. Uh, and then also I thought, I thought the graphics package on Twitter was actually a, a pretty big hit. That, so that was, that was good to see. And they really didn't lose anybody today who they thought they were going to keep. And they ended up, uh, ended up getting a win who they thought they were going to get, but ultimately weren't totally sure in, uh, in, in George Wilson. So pretty good day. Where, where do you want to start this thing off? You know, we could just go kind of position by position. Uh, we talked a lot about McKenzie Milton in the previous podcast. So I don't know that we need to spend a, a whole lot of time, but at the same time, uh, would certainly make sense for us to start at quarterback and kind of snake our way through the roster. So, uh, like I said, we'll just give you a little bit of our broader perspective on the prospect, uh, kind of a snippet as to the coach's thoughts today and uh, kind of give a, a review as to what is official, a uh, little bit of talk as to what may still be out there on the board where Florida State stands with a couple guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, before we jump into it, I think it's an honest uh, opinion to say that this is a good class. Hopefully, you you know, a a staff that continues to get to kind of select some of its guys for culture reasons and everything else. But ultimately, if Florida State's going to go in the direction that it wants to go, a lot of these guys are probably going to get recruited over. Uh, And that's not a horrible thing, but uh, it is a a good kind of foundation for them to continue to build. And there's some, uh, you know, there's some nice names in this class, certainly. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, among staffs that are, are new to their school, uh, Florida State finished what, behind Ole Miss, behind Arkansas, scrolling down the list here, behind Missouri, uh, and behind Washington. Of course, you know, Washington is, is a school that has a, a coach who got promoted from within. So we already knew a lot of the prospects there in that class. Uh, but I look at this and, and I see Florida State has a very low total. You know, total number of recruits, and I, I don't like to be the hey, look at the average star ranking guy. But I, I think in a year, and, and normally, I think the average star ranking argument kind of rings hollow 
because everybody, every school signs a, a pretty similar number of players at the end of the process. But this year, that's not the case because of the transfer portal. So if you actually look at this and you look at the kids who Florida State signed and you look at the kids who Ole Miss signed and, and who you know, Arkansas assigned and whatnot, Florida State has the highest average star rating out of any staff uh, that, that is new this year. I think that's that's noteworthy, right? They have, they have five, you know, four stars and uh, what, 10 or sorry, 11 now, three-star players. That's not great, but that's not like disaster scenario if you can fill the rest of the spots with transfers like we know that they will. Um, you know, 31st is the worst recruiting class in the recruiting class era that Florida State has ever had. But it's also by far the smallest class. I, I feel like they, they've had worse classes than this before in terms of, of star ratios and whatnot. The, the, the total number of players in the class, it kind of limits it, man. Yeah, no, I mean, it does give... You're right. It gives a little bit of perspective as to what's out there. And, you know, it'll, it'll be fascinating to see how the whole recruiting evaluations change over time with, uh, with the transfer portal, with the idea that, you know, the percentage of high school kids is not, you know, necessarily 95% of the 25, 26 that each school tries to take each year. Uh, so there's certainly kind of a evolution that we're all kind of watching uh, play out right now. But uh, Mackenzie Milton is one of those transfers. And, uh, you know, probably the biggest star value uh, as far as a known quantity in the class. And certainly that, you know, a lot of talk today about the culture that he's going to bring. That's something that we've talked about and, you know, certainly gives you some legitimacy with prospects, probably more than likely transfer portal prospects as opposed to high school prospects. But, uh, you know, a a really big get uh, for a program that needed a big get and uh, a guy that's immediately given you a tremendous upgrade as far as the overall talent level in your quarterback room and uh, somebody that, you know, you think is going to go in and, and immediately push everybody and ultimately immediately push for snaps. You know, I, it was interesting. I, I saw Ingram filling out the sheet tonight about what we're going to talk about. And my first thought was, what, why do we have McKenzie Milton on here? We already spoke about him last episode. My second thought was, Bud, you're an idiot. McKenzie Milton is arguably the most important player in this class. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk McKenzie Milton. I agree with you. I think he does elevate the quarterback room. The the Florida State people, as you said, are really, really happy about his habits and the, the professionalism and sort of the, the overall kind of team-first attitude he's going to bring to the program. And they, they feel like this, this, team, this team is lacking that right now. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that you do have great leadership from the QB position at, at, at the current time, you know? So uh, getting Milton in there certainly will uh, will be a big help there. And, and if he's even 90% of the player that he was prior, that is, that is a huge boost to them. Hell, if he's 80%, he's still your starter. Yeah, I agree. I think it gives you uh, kind of the, the best of both worlds. That if you're able to work uh, Travis into some packages type um, slash scenario situations, still kind of draw upon the unique ability that he gives you and, and also kind of build a little bit more of, you know, obviously, and we've talked to Ed Nauseam and we won't get into it, but this is not ultimately the, the offense that they want to run. This is the offense that they want to run. Uh, when one of the only few dynamic pieces you have on offense is a kid who can carry the ball uh, at a pretty pretty uh, exceptional level and an uh, offensive line that you kind of have to work around and, and mask some of its flaws. So uh, we've said it before, you know, one of the bigger storylines will be kind of the, the evolution as they transition more into what they want to run as opposed to what they have to run right now. 
but yeah, Milton gives him that flexibility and, and at the same time, I think pushes, uh, you know, makes you get the best out of Travis and also uh, gives the two freshmen an, an idea as to the work ethic and the focus level that's required to, you know, be successful at this level. No doubt about it. Uh, where do you want to go now? So we'll just be real boring and kind of talk uh, the offense's prospects and then move over to a, a class that's pretty defensive focused. Uh, but, you know, Brian Estes is, uh, is one of the offensive linemen here that you got uh, a kid, you know, is, is another quality ad. Is not necessarily, you know, is it Rod Orr as far as the ceiling and what he potentially projects to, but kind of a tough, hard-nosed kid that gives you some flexibility to play center guard. He projects as an interior offensive lineman of some kind, uh, but a, a guy that they're real high on, relatively speaking, and somebody that brings you quality depth immediately and kind of continues to upgrade a position that desperately needs it. Look, if you're going to rebuild this thing, you have to land more four stars, more five stars. There's no doubt about it. You also have to hit on your three stars in the interim. And this is going to be an interesting test for me of how this staff does uh, because they they were on this kid somewhat early in Bryson Estes and they, they like Bryson a lot. And I, I agree with you. Like, this is going to be interesting to see just how right they are. Now, he's not without other, other good offers, right? He, he had Arizona State. He had... You know, Coastal Carolina, which normally we wouldn't talk about, but this year they've been pretty damn good. Um, you know, Georgia Tech, Louisville, um, you know, some some schools like that. Uh, List Penn State. I don't know how committable that was. Uh, Nebraska, NC State. So, um, you know, the schools that didn't offer him on his profile, like I, Auburn, never pulled the trigger. But Auburn's offensive line recruiting this year was also a little bit, a little bit unfortunate and a little bit skeptical, you know, kind of sketchy. So. Uh, can he play center? Can he play guard for you? I, I think so. I, I know there was some talk in one of the recruiting things that he could play tackle. I, I disagree with that for the most part, just due to the length. But uh, I think at the very least, a good program guy. Uh, and at, at the best, maybe a decent starter for you. We'll just have to see you know, what he does. I say when he gets in the weight room, and I don't mean that like he has to get stronger. I think he's already pretty strong, but like he will need to bulk up a little bit and get get bigger and stronger for sure. And also get used to playing a higher level of competition. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Plays a, pl- comes from a good program, uh, has a, you know, for a high school kid has decent exposure to the weight room, but it's, uh, it's going to be a transition period. He's playing in, uh, what I believe is the lowest level of, uh, Georgia football right now. And, uh, it's a decent level. It's a small, small school, private school, uh, level. And, uh, it'll have a transition debate, you know, and it's certainly a, a different, uh, type of athlete that you encounter and a guy that'll probably need 18 months or so uh, in a S&C plan before you really start to have expectations as to what you uh, can get out of him or at least ultimately what he'll he'll look like as a prospect where you hope to get out of him. So and he's an early enrollee too, which I, I not that I think he's going to play a lot this upcoming year, but like getting him in, getting him reps against college guys is is definitely something that'll help him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that certainly helps the transition that we just talked about and you know, no quicker way to find out that you're not in 1A football anymore in Georgia than uh, walk around a rate room at Florida State and look at some of the guys that you're ultimately going to have to block. So uh, Rod Orr is a name that we've talked about a long time. Rod Orr is a guy that in June or July, I constantly uh, stained everybody's ears saying, look, I don't know that I've had a prospect like this or a prospect like him that ultimately will be one of the bigger barometers that I use as to how successful this class is. Florida State had to sign an offensive tackle uh, with real legitimate potential. And there's a you know high 
high ceiling here, potential for a low floor, uh, but or you know gives you the type of prospect that this program hasn't seen in three years, maybe more. Uh, that he is an absolute legitimate long athletic tackle and uh, somebody that you can build an offensive line around. Again, not somebody that's going to uh, necessarily contribute immediately. A guy who needs uh, a better level of practice, uh, a better strength and conditioning program, and some overall work. But you needed a real legit bona fide offensive tackle, and, and that's what Rodor gives you. And need a couple more of them too, but Rodor is absolutely a good start. I think Florida State did a good job here of figuring out they liked Orr uh, quite a bit. They did their homework. They called around to see what other people knew about them. Alex Atkins deserves a lot of credit here for forming this relationship, I believe, and winning the kid over. And his parents, they they showed early faith in him before some bigger schools really were willing to pull the trigger, you know, like Tennessee. And, you know, some schools, not, not that Tennessee's bigger, but they're, they're a little further ahead, at least over the summer, they were perceived to be, to be further ahead in their rebuilding process than, than was Florida State. So to keep a, a kid like Rod Orr is a pretty big deal for Florida State. Um, they, I believe in the press conference today, they said he was basically a, a you know, an upside projection. Quote, uh, he's a big, long tackle, a big, long left tackle, considered a, quote, developmental prospect with lots of potential. I mean, that, that kind of says it all right there. They, we, we talked about this. They do not want to take very many offensive linemen who are just kind of floor guys. They feel like they can get most of that in the portal. They got a guy that is maybe projected a little more as a floor guy in Bryson Estes, although I'm a little bit hesitant to say this for a kid I've never seen in person. You know, this is a weird year that, that normally I get to see all, all these kids in person, and most of them in person a couple of times. Getting or that, that high upside guy, that's a guy they project, if they do it right, that they're not recruiting over that whoever they sign in the extra class is not going to be starting over or in just a year or two, right? And that, that's, that's what they're looking for. And that, that's what you need in order to rebuild this offensive line and get it back to not being just average, but, you know, hey, two, three years down the road, maybe having a good offensive line. Absolutely. So from the uh, offensive line, we'll move to uh, wide receiver and then move into the tight ends before we ultimately transition to defense. Want to uh, thank our sponsor, Madison Social for the Table Restaurant Group. Uh, want to remind you guys, you can go to madisonsocial.com backslash Nolcast and uh, purchase uh, what is uh, about one of the best gift card deals uh, I've seen out there. You know, buy $10, get five for yourself. Uh, I placed an order for myself four or five days ago. Uh, you know, no coupon, extra coupon code or anything else. Just uh, wanted to kind of walk the walk, talk to talk. Got it in four days. Not saying that that necessarily happened for you with the way that the USPS is right now, but a, a great opportunity to give a gift, put a little something in your own back pocket for once we return to uh, normalcy. And whether that be the spring game, whether it be the first game of the year, uh, support a, a small business that needs your help. And also, uh, you know, go ahead and have something for yourself uh, once we're all able to make our way back to Tallahassee and enjoy the uh, game day atmosphere that uh, makes Florida State so special. No doubt about it. Uh, dude, we're going to go now. This is a, a interesting interesting list we can run down here. I'm thinking receiver? Yeah, we'll go to, uh, to Joshua Burrell. Uh, interesting prospect here. I mean, you know, obviously on signing day, guys are going to do nothing but throw kind of massive amounts of, uh, of praise out there. I do think there's some truth. Uh, to what Dillingham said. I think Dillingham may project him as a little bit more explosive player. 
uh, than what I see or maybe what you see, but he certainly is a big body wide receiver. He's a guy that gives you uh, the chance to make the, you know, the catches that kind of keep the chains moving to just speak in pure cliche uh, level, but also and he's got a little more wiggle to him than I would necessarily expect for somebody of that size. So uh, a really interesting prospect, something kind of unique compared to uh, the other pieces that they have on the roster right now. Uh, six, two and a half, 215 pounds. He looks looks probably closer to 230, to be honest with you, although part of that may be level of competition. But uh, big body wide receiver frame gives you a little bit more wiggle than you would expect. Uh, but interesting to see what ultimately they get out of Joshua. Yeah, I, I certainly don't see – I don't see the speed here in, in, in Burrell. Um, it, that, I still like the take for them that they need somebody who can catch football. Warren Thompson doesn't catch the ball if he'll even be around next year, which you know, we'll see. Um, a lot of guys on this team don't catch football. I mean, Ontario Wilson's got the ball, hitting him in the face mask against Louisville. Burrell catches the ball. He's a tough player. He's physical. I think he'll be a good blocker for you as well. I don't see the speed in, in his tape. If he's the only receiver you sign, it's a, it's a really bad receiver class because you have, you have a clear need here to, to get more receivers. But I think we'll talk about that in a minute. They're probably not done at receiver for, for the cycle and certainly not in the portal either. Uh, I think he offers you really good versatility. I would throw this guy some screens just based on, on the difficulty that teams have in tackling him one-on-one. I just I don't see the, the game-breaking top-end speed. But everything else is somewhere between okay and, and pretty good, right? Like, is he agile? He's got some wiggle, but I don't see, like, the crazy good, like, agile route running. Lower ceiling here, but I think you've got a pretty good floor uh, for what you think he can ultimately be. And this is a guy that, uh, you know, if we were to like rank likelihood to bust, which isn't a really cool thing to do for a bunch of kids on signing day, uh, I would have Burrell at the bottom of that list. I mean, I, I think all things considered, uh, this is one of the sure bets in the class, as long as you view him as a, you know, not somebody that's going to, you know, shake somebody loose and then uh, beat everybody to the end zone or something like that. So, uh, Burrell, I think as long as you have a kind of honest uh, idea as to what he projects at is, is one of the more uh, sure things that, that exist, at least in this initial round of kids. So uh, two different tight ends here that we have to talk about, bud. Interesting prospects in their own right. Uh, Jackson West is a kid that uh, they got out on pretty early. Uh, and, you know, interesting. Again, coaches will say things during these signing day press conferences that, you want to kind of put a filter through everything. But if this kid is really, you know, running the route tree in his backyard uh, and that of what he sees Florida State doing with the tight ends, and that's a, that's a pretty good sign uh, for a kid that's able to, you know, kind of take it upon himself to give himself the best chance to contribute early. A guy that doesn't have necessarily an offer sheet that blows you away, but pretty good tape uh, when you look at it. And again, until Alabama is a decent level of football, not necessarily the greatest, uh, but – a uh, decent prospect that I think in time gives you a chance to step up uh, the overall level of the tight ends, which we've talked about since almost day one. Uh, this staff desperately wants to do that. I mean, I, I'm pretty high on this guy. And, you know, we, we, we here at 24-7 Sports had him higher than, than the rest of the industry. And we, we, we had him as a top 20 player in the state of Alabama. Um, I, I think Wes is, is actually a, a dude with, with some real potential here. It wouldn't surprise me to see him you know, become a pro player down the line. I think when you sign as many three stars as Florida State does, you you need obviously you need to do your own work. You need to do your own evaluations and, and watch watch the film. But you also need to 
I think listen carefully to how the coaches talk about these guys because the, their words will kind of tell you which ones they feel like are probably really, you know, underrated in their mind. Now, they're going to kind of say everybody's underrated, but w- w- when they talk about Jackson West, you, you can really hear it in, in their voices. You, you can, you know, the words that they say, uh, hell, I, I believe he's r- running routes in his backyard for sure. I mean, he's, he doesn't have social media, so he's probably got a lot of free time, unlike a lot of these kids. I, I, I assume he's got TV, but, uh, no, in all seriousness, um, a pretty productive player at the high school level, good two-way film, you know, basketball as well, multi-sport guy, good attitude. Uh, this program needs less dumbasses in it. And I, I think he's, he's somebody who can help you out with in that regard. Just a guy who wants to come in, you know, work hard and, and be part of a winning program and be the reason for change. Yeah. Second tight end that we're going to look at here is Kobe Gross, a, a JUCO prospect. Um, another guy that you've actually heard stories of, of him doing as much as possible to kind of uh, put himself in a, in a place to make an immediate contribution. We've talked about if there's a place there, tight end is one of them. Uh, Dillingham also talked about he's underrated in the ability to make you know, bigger plays uh, from the tight end position. Uh, again, commented on his work ethic. Are these guys superstars? Not necessarily. Are they a dramatic upgrade? as to what you have and a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you've got two fairly complementary pieces here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, in the strength and conditioning program, but, um, you know, a step in the right direction, not necessarily a, a guy that helps you immediately close in the talent gap compared to some of the peers that uh, the fan base wants to compete against, but uh, a guy that has a level to be a, a pretty significant, solid ACC player within a year or two. This one's kind of weird, right? I mean, with, with Colby, there's not a whole lot of film to go on. Uh, and they, they saw some workout clips that they were pretty impressed by. Uh, they, look, they know that look, their tight end room is not good. If you look at the – I've never seen this kid in person. If you look at the photos of him, he looks like he actually has, has pretty good length for a six-foot-three prospect. He's, he's got a decent build on him. You can actually see a recent photo of him on 24-7 Sports that is in front of the Unconquered statue. So like you, you can at least see that. He does look like more you know, of, of a grown man. I've seen him at, at some Nike camps, apparently, but I, I, I don't really recall seeing him at the high school level. Uh, this is a, a room that you almost need to grade on, on a curve a little bit uh, simply because he's like, that room is, is so bad. I mean, they're, they're playing Preston Daniel and Wyatt Rector regularly those guys can't play not 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 like not if you need to go you know get where you need to go so um i think that that tells you taking kobe gross to me tells you what this staff thinks of of this tight end room it does not necessarily tell me what they think of kobe gross i I don't have a whole lot to add on him like i i know they think that they have something here they think he can come help them obviously otherwise they would have you know not continued to recruit him and keep him I don't know what to think of this guy because I've never seen him in person and the film is, is pretty limited. All right, bud. We will transition to the uh, defensive side of the ball where the class, at least for now, is pretty heavily concentrated. Tons of different prospects uh, along the line of scrimmage. So we'll just work our way through the uh, ends and and potential tackles here before we go to the second and third level of the defense. You know, I, I don't think Florida State's going to sign this JUCO defensive end prospect out of Georgia Military Academy. Um, that would have been nice. But nonetheless, still a uh, it's still a really solid address of need. And, uh, you know, we've been pretty critical of some of the players that they've signed over the past couple of years at the end position. Like, are these guys necessarily superstars? Maybe not. 
do I think that you put enough kind of proverbial bullets into the chamber where one or two of these guys hits? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wilson, Turner, Peyton, Farmer, uh, all of those are, you know, not five-star prospects, but all those guys have unique traits, give you a lot more length and kind of twitchiness uh, on the end than you've gotten in past classes. And uh, Wilson's a player that's kind of come, come to you in the past two weeks or so. Uh, but a kid out of Virginia Beach that's long, real athletic, has a good takeoff. Got to be a guy that probably needs 18 months in the strength and conditioning program before he's really ready to play. Uh, but gives you a skill set that you don't really otherwise have on the roster right now. There's no doubt. Like So George Wilson's a guy that we are much higher on at 24-7 sports than ESPN or rivals are. I mean, we, we, we put him in our top 247, uh, which is a, a pretty lofty ranking. And we have him as a top 200 player, actually, number, number 188 in the country, six foot five, 214, as you mentioned. Uh, I mean, look, he's upside, but he's kind of the rod or of, of the defense. If, if his upside hits, his, off, his upside is a lot higher than anybody else they signed on the defensive line. His floor is also you know, somewhat low. Uh, but that that's somebody for them to be super excited about. I, I was thinking about something today. If Auburn had not fired Gus Malzahn, this kid's at Auburn, but I feel like I wonder if the transfer portal rules now are such that you can't just keep your head coach through signing day to keep all your recruits and then fire them the next day because now kids have the ability to transfer right out. And also, I, th- I think... You know, the ability to actually go to use social media to your advantage to say, hey, like this school absolutely screwed me over, double crossed me. And you know, like they knew their coach was leaving and they got fired the next day. Uh, you might be able to get out without even having to use your, your transfer, uh, your transfer option there. Auburn's deciding that they need to be a top five recruiting school when history suggests they shouldn't be, uh, was four states gain because they end up getting George Wilson primarily because Auburn made that move, I think. And this is a big time get. For the Knowles, they had such a need at pass rusher, man. Like they, they don't have any kind of burst on this roster right now at the defensive end spot. I mean, you're talking like Derek McClendon and Curtis Fan. Uh, very little evidence those guys can play at this level so far. You know, I'm not really seeing the dedication and, and the you know the the focus needed to you know to make yourself into that next level guy there from some of the existing dudes on the roster. So George Wilson could be a huge help for you in a year or two. Patrick Payton, we'll move to him. Kind of a similar prospect, long, uh, twitchy out of out of Miami Northwestern uh, kid. That look, you know, again, you've got you've got some work to do with him. Again, another end that's kind of in the six five range, kind of uh, I think two twenty something like that. So a guy that you know you're gonna have to have to put some work in in the weight room before uh, you get there. But uh, you know, not not a carbon copy of Wilson, but certainly a similar prospect that addresses. Uh, similar needs and and gives you a dynamic that just doesn't otherwise exist. And so just to differentiate, because obviously our analysis is going to sound similar here between Peyton and Wilson. Peyton does not have the frame width wise that Wilson has. I, I don't think, right? Peyton is a little more of a weak side guy only. Wilson is 6'5", 214, but it wouldn't shock me if he blew up into something, you know, a good bit bigger than that. So uh, that, that's kind of how I would differentiate. I think that Peyton has a little bit better like first step get off and Wilson maybe uses his length functionally a little bit better and maybe has a little bit better functional strength. But you know, Peyton's another guy that I think FSU fans should be pretty excited about here. Like, is he a superstar right now? No, but uh, they, they obviously liked what they saw 
as a senior. Uh, it, I think the quote uh, from Fuller today that, that you have here, um, you know, FSU wanted to see what he'd do as a senior before going after him, and he was great uh, this year from Adam Fuller. Uh, there's some truth to that. Peyton was one of the kids that we talked about in the spring that wanted to commit to Florida State, and Florida State said no. Like when we said there's some kids they turned they turned down, Peyton was one of the ones I recall specifically being told here. I believe the other ones, actually, if I'm trying to think here, uh, were kids who did not end up signing with a Florida State quality school. Uh, so other prospects here to look at, uh, Byron Turner is a, is a guy that the staff seems pretty high on. Again, not that they're going to go out and tell you, oh, we had to settle on this kid or something like that uh, on any day, but particularly on signing day. You know, a kid out of uh, – out of St. Aug there in New Orleans, you did. I mean, there are some great prospects coming out of great high schools that are in this class, if nothing else. It'll give you, hopefully, some dividends uh, down the road when it comes to relationships. But, man, I've been real impressed with Turner uh, when I watch his film. I'm not saying that he should be a you know, high four-star or something like that, but a guy that comes from a great program that you, I think you can have a, a pretty high degree of confidence in that he's you know, going to put in the work necessary. And... Um, Six three, six four. Wouldn't shock me to see him maybe, maybe slide down uh, in time into a, a little bit more of an interior player, but uh, a guy that you know again gives you more, uh, more, uh, just a higher level of player than what you've gotten here, and a guy that I think will will push the room overall. Uh, if maybe not the you know not necessarily the most physically gifted player that we're going to talk about tonight. I, I think that's fair. I like the toughness. I, I like I like the aggressiveness and, and the motor. Um, I I don't see the consistent get off that Adam Fuller sees here. I, I I don't know that I love his burst off the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher, but there are some clips where he shows it. I, I, I'm not seeing it enough uh, in in his clips. So I think he probably is more of a floor guy. But you need some of that in this class for sure. I mean, you need a lot of good bodies at defensive end. So I, I think you should be pretty excited about that. Sean Bray Jackson is a guy that they've, uh, you know, listed at defensive end, but kind of talked about as moving into a interior position as well. Uh, prospect out of Orlando, Florida, uh, depending on where you look, potentially one of the higher ranked uh, prospects in the class, a guy that seems to have been, uh, you know, if this class had uh, somebody in it that uh, kind of tried to, tried to build the class after they went from, made the transition maybe from commitment to recruiter, uh, Sean Bray was certainly out there and, and trying to, uh, you know, trying to do all that he could for the class. So a guy that certainly appears to have some leadership qualities and uh, a guy that whether it's at end or, or tackle in a couple of years, I think you have a, a decent degree as to what you're, what you're going to get from him. Uh, a, a solid player, a uh, little bit of floor, a little bit of ceiling. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what you get from him. But again, uh, you know, Boone in the worst place to go and get a prospect and, to continue to build your relationships in Central Florida is a is a good thing for this staff. Yeah, and you know he's a guy that at twenty four seven we were much lower on than the industry, right? Uh, the, the verified measurements that we got on him were smaller than some of the other websites listed him at, just based on you know camps and combines he had gone to. Uh, we actually have him as the number thirty strong side defensive end in the country and the number seventy two player overall in Florida, which is a lot lower uh, than, than other, other places. I feel very confident he can live up to that, though, uh, because I, I do think he has the work ethic and, and the motor uh, to, to be a good player and, and to be an impact guy. Upside, to me, it's, it's all going to be about how, how much does he grow. You know, like he's, 
I don't think he's super long, um, but I do think he's more of an interior guy just based on his build and athleticism. And we'll see how, how much he fills out and develops there. And pretty damn sure that internally, I don't know, if they say this in a press conference today that, that they project him as a DT. Internally, I, I'm fairly certain that they think his long-term fit is on the interior. Fuller called him, I think, one of the better athletes at defensive tackle in the country. So, yeah, they they have kind of, kind okay. of talked about so that. You, you uh, may have let that slip. Or- yeah, yeah. And Farmer's another guy that they said they're going to start out at defensive end. This is Joshua Farmer, local prospect out of Gadsden County. Uh, start out at defensive tackle or defensive end. Wouldn't surprise me if ultimately done develop into a, uh, a three-tech uh, per your, your defensive coordinator as well. So, Who was the name of the kid? We've been doing this a long, a long time. Maybe you remember this. Who was the name of the kid from Mobile who uh, was definitely going to play defense for Nick Saban? And then, like, the next day? Oh, yeah, big like, boy. Like, uh, oh, like 360-pound dude. Yeah, uh, I know you're talking about. Damian Craig about. was on him. Um, was it class of 2012 or 2011? Yeah, I think it's. I think it was 11, but I know exactly what you're talking about. But uh, it, it just popped in mind. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to start you here. <laughs> Yeah, we'll start. We'll start you there. Absolutely, you'll you'll go through at least a practice or two. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So farmer ultimately an interior prospect in our opinion. Uh, out of Gadsden County, nice player. Ultimately, you have to see what uh, what becomes of him. But a, a guy that uh, you know we think will will be a solid addition. But uh, you know, again, one of those guys that maybe if all things go well, that the class or two following it may have a, a, a more talented body or two that would uh, overtake farmer. All right. So they, they got 16 guys in their class right now. I'm going to throw you a question. If they had had a regular off season to where they could actually get out, meet kids, get kids on campus, show them their vision, even if they had the poor season, how many of these kids do you think are takes in a regular off season of the 16? Somewhere between 10 and 12. My, my number may be higher than yours, but yeah. Not by much. I, I was probably more in the eight and 10 range. I think that there's probably about half of these kids they'd say, yeah, we, 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 we can do better if we had actual time to get kids on campus. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, we will move to the uh, linebackers. Alphonse Taylor, by the way, was the kid's name. That's the kid. That is exactly who we're talking about. Yep. All right, guys, I want to give a couple shout-outs now on the podcast to the newest homeowners or refi recipients through Legendary Home Loan Program. That's Shannon and Chad, 844-FSU-Loan. So here we go. Alan Jessica, congrats. Steven, congrats. Travis, Alyssa, Josh, uh, Antara. I hope I nailed that one right. Uh, guys, awesome, awesome, awesome. Really, really excited. We can help everybody out there. Excited everybody's being you know, very pleased with Shannon Chatty, 44FSU loan. You know where to go. And uh, also Jordan, who uh, closed on the 8th. Uh, that's a lot of new closings. Find out why we are closing all these new loans. Uh, it's, it's an awesome process. It's a great product. Give Shannon the call, 844-FSU-LOAN. All right. We will uh, make our way back to the uh, the linebacking core here. Jordan Eubanks is a kid that we talked about a decent amount over the summer, uh, prospect out of uh, Texas that they like. Most of his film is uh, him playing safety. They kind of project him as a, as a linebacker. Um, solid player. You know, I, again, I, I think this is more kind of higher, higher ceiling or higher floor, lower ceiling. Uh, but good program out of Texas, uh, decent uh, ideas to what you're going to get out of a kid and, um, you know, ultimately be interesting to see what they get out of him. But a, a long uh, prospect with a decent amount of length, decent amount of range. And if he is ultimately going to 
land at linebacker, then you know you think you've got some some skill set with which to work with in this off or in this defense. Excuse me. You know, if you think about what what did you get out of the young linebackers this year, right? So, you know, Dix and Lundy, aggressiveness, physicality, pass coverage, no, not even close. I mean, like zero pass coverage. The, the those guys can't cover a lick. I mean, maybe maybe Marv can. Yeah, there are times where it's a. Uh, where it's negative, actually. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they, they like Dixon Lundy have not covered anybody yet all year. Is Jordan Eubanks a guy that I, I feel like you're you're really excited about? Not really. Is he a guy who I think is a Florida State quality take in a normal year? No, I don't. But you had a specific need in this class, I, I think, to go out and get some guys who cover in space at the linebacker position who could run around a little bit. And he fits that role somewhat. We'll see how, how he looks when, when he plays against better athletes, when he gets into town. But I'm, I'm looking for the positives here. I think this guy can cover for you some, and maybe you can develop in, in more of a hitter. Hitter at the linebacker position, by the way, is not as important as it used to be. Not nearly as important. I mean, you, you got Nick Saban running around out there giving quotes saying, you know, hey, defense doesn't win, win games anymore. Points win games. So when you think about that, that's, that's interesting. Both linebackers they took this year, I feel like are a little bit more of that kind of hybrid type as opposed to guys like, like Dixon Lundy who are, are no doubt backer mm-hmm. types. Yeah, yeah. The other guy is uh, Shaheem Brown, a uh, recent commitment that we've talked about, Columbia, uh, Lake City, Florida High School that has uh, all kinds of positive connotations in the uh, nostalgia section of Florida State fans' minds. Uh, when you talk about versatility and and exactly what we're talking about, kind of the transition as to what you need or expect out of linebackers. Brown is a kid that was playing corner for Lake City, I think as recently as a year ago. I mean, do I love Brian Allen telling me that he's the type of player that would have played for Florida State 15 or 20 years ago? Yes, that's nice to hear. Slightly skeptical about that, but, uh, you know, I think Brown is a is a better player than necessarily his stars next to his name or, or maybe his offer list. Uh, I think, you know, I think you got a decent player here who's going to work hard. And um, again, when you, when you sign a kids out of Lake city, when you sign a kids out of Northwestern, uh, there's, there's, you know, you don't just do it so that you have a presence in that high school, but there's certainly some uh, additional dividends to potentially be paid down the road. Yeah. I, I think this is fair, right? I mean, you, you're not taking him just to get somebody else from, from Lake city, Columbia. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think there's a decent chance that, uh, Shane Brown outplays his star rating. He's outside the top 1,000 players in the country in, in the 24-7 sports composite, so certainly nowhere to go uh, but up. The, the lowest lowest rated signee in the class, and yet I, I like him just as much as, as I do some of the other guys in the class. Um, I like the ability to, for him to play, I mean, not anymore, but I, I like that he played corner for a while before growing in to a linebacker, uh, you, you desperately need some guys who can cover at that position. I don't think he'll play a whole lot as a freshman, but maybe if he's able to play some coverage snaps for you, maybe in, in obvious passing downs, that could be a bonus. Um, but an interesting player. So I think the staff is actually pretty happy to get, so uh, very encouraging there. Hunter Washington is a, another prospect in the secondary that they signed. Pretty highly regarded kid, uh, again, depending on where you look. Uh, prospect out of Texas. Uh, you know, decent frame for a defensive back at 5'11", 185 pounds or so. Uh, a guy that if you were to circle two or three guys that you had a chance to maybe contribute earlier, 
I would probably put Washington in that group, although uh, Florida State has certainly signed some nice nice players uh, over the past couple of years in the secondary. But uh, a nice get, kid that committed uh, you know, fairly early and, uh, and stayed with you throughout the entirety of the process. So somebody that they liked a lot, evaluated, uh, got a commitment from, and never, at least from my perspective, never really wavered on that. Ultimately, I think Hunter projects as a, you know, a decent size zone corner uh, for you. I know there are some, thought, some thoughts or other he could actually play safety, but I think corner is probably where he ends up uh, at, at, least, at least to start. Some ability to flip the hips. Um, you know, he's not crazy long, but I, I think he, he's definitely got, got some ability. He does come up and make a good number of plays in the run game too, which is not the first thing I'm looking for from a corner, but it's, it's something that's actually pretty, you know, pretty encouraging. I know he had a pretty strong senior year, so definitely a player that at Florida State fans should be happy they kept. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm into this one. Uh, Amarian Cooper, another pretty highly regarded prospect, depending on where you look. Uh, flirted with Michigan a little bit. Uh, had a uh, signing day ceremony today that was seemingly cursed by the gods. But uh, no, Cooper's a oh, just the background fellow, like the tree in the background fell over. Nothing, not a big deal, but just uh, you know, it didn't exactly go over <laughs> as it was uh, as it was planned. But uh, no, I mean a kid who um, you know kind of. Looked like he was going to open up his commitment. Looked like he was going to be one of those guys that uh, pushes it back, which always is a concern. But uh, chooses Florida State over Michigan, and um, yeah, nice, nice prospect that they like an awful lot. Uh, one of the guys I think they said was was one of their earlier evaluations and knew that he was going to be a priority on their board. And uh, you know, nice uh, another one of these kids that has a former uh, Florida State player as a coach, and uh, you know, called him one of the more competitive kids he's ever coached. So. Uh, I think that's a, a good thing. And Cooper, again, is if I had to uh, group three or four guys I thought had a chance to contribute earlier uh, than others, Cooper would would probably be in that group for me as well. Shout out Coach James Cheney, who I've known for a while. Um, we actually talked about Amarion Cooper back in 2018. So like we, we've known about him for, for quite a while uh, since he was a sophomore there at, at Lehigh. Uh, Guy's got a lot of lot of ability. Got to keep his head on straight. Got to stay focused. But you know, certainly a really really competitive guy, uh, and, and somebody who has has high upside in this class. Uh, so, and I let me see when did I crystal ball him? I actually crystal balled him uh, July of nineteen. But we were talking about him back in eighteen. So, guys, I, I would be pretty excited about him. Maybe not early, but. If if Marcus Woodson and and Coach Fuller are able to to develop him, the, the upside there is is as high as almost anybody in the class, for sure. Kevin Knowles is the uh, the final defensive prospect that we'll talk about, at least from the perspective of somebody that signed today. Uh, decent prospect in his own right, out of uh, MacArthur High School, Hollywood, Florida. Uh, happened to be the same school that uh, when Bryant McFadden went to, that he was happy to. Uh, remind everybody of today during the uh, signing day conference there. Decent little player, kind of has good ball skills, could project at a, a multiple variety of positions. I think gives you kind of that nickel uh, ability to play nickel, uh, play in the middle of the field a little bit more. Um, good prospect. We'll take some time, as it seems like we've said, uh, for a lot of these guys. Maybe not somebody that contributes immediately, in my opinion, uh, but a, a solid player that 
I think you've got a, a pretty good idea as to what you're going to get from over over three to five years that he's in Tallahassee. I, I think he's a he's a, a really nice ad for this class. Um, not that he's going to turn into a dominant starter, but I think he fills a specific need and a specific role, which is a guy who can cover slots and smaller receivers in space. Um, now, I don't know that Kevin Knowles has the best long speed in the world, but I do think he's extremely quick. Lateral quickness, stop, start, ability to ha- hang with these guys on, on option routes and choice routes and whatnot. The ability to play in space is, is something that is needed in this defense, and they, they kind of lack that at times in this defense. We, we, we spoke about that this year, how, how the nickel spot was, was a problem for them at times, in addition to the fact the linebackers just can't cover. Uh, but that, that has been a problem. And I, I think Kevin Knowles comes in and helps you fill that role. Now, he'll probably get bullied physically early on because he is very slight of build. Uh, but the stop-start, hips, agility portion here, as well as the aggressiveness, um, th- th- those all play. I, I, you don't see a whole lot of guys who cover really well in South Florida who all of a sudden can't cover it all at the college level. There may, there may be some other things they can't do or they don't ever really become into. Uh, but ultimately, th- this is a, a take that I, I understand why Florida State would, would use a scholarship on Kevin Knowles. So those are the signed prospects uh, before we transition to those that are unsigned, uh, at least publicly unsigned. Uh, we will thank our friends at Congruity. Congruity is the opportunity to experience your business optimized, highly customized HR solutions designed to enhance your brand, save time, save money, and reduce business risk. Meaningful outsource HR for companies just like yours. Contact our good friend, Matt Lewis, at 844-247-4100. Again, 844-247-4100 or Knowles at congruityhr.com. All right, so uh, there's a guy we talked about here who did not sign uh, and that, well, actually, we, we can kind of get into this. Uh, Kimo Makinole, the offensive guard from Niceville High, Still hasn't signed. Uh, I'm not convinced he's a take at LSU. And I'm a little bit surprised that this kid, you know, commits basically as soon as Florida State offers him and then now is kind of looking around for better offers. And I, I, I think he's a nice player. I, if I'm Florida State, I, I don't know that I'm playing games like this, though. You know, I might just be like, okay, cool. You're not a tackle. We, 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 we don't need to wait around like this. Um, yeah, I think we alluded uh, in the or I alluded in the last podcast that we did that it it might be a situation where if we exit uh, this early signing day period and, and you don't have an LOI in hand that you may you know shift your focus to uh, to transfer portal prospects. Uh, I think the staff likes this kid, likes the idea of getting a uh, you know quality prospect out of Niceville. Is this the type of prospect that maybe you you know you hold a a slot open and, and pass? on other opportunities for? I don't think so. Um, so this, I think this will, my prediction anyways, is that this resolves itself one way or another in the next uh, four to five days here. You, you don't think we're still talking about will, will Florida State sign chemo in the February signing day? I don't think we're doing a late January preview where we're talking about chemo. No, I, I don't think that's the case. I would agree. Uh, so Malik Klain, receiver out of IMG Academy from, uh, from the Mobile area. Will, like he decommitted from Florida State, 
big time prospect here. Will he go to Ole Miss? Ole Miss's offense is obviously quite a lot of fun to play in right now. Four states, maybe a little more attractive now that you have McKenzie Milton, certainly to, to a receiver prospect. I can see that. He did not sign today, either with Florida State or, or with Ole Miss, at least as far as I know. He said he's going to announce Friday at 2 o'clock. Uh, on, on the preview in cast, we, we told you that, we, that Florida State was saying that this is not done, that they, they are not, they're not conceding him to Ole Miss just yet. Uh, I can tell you that that's still the same attitude uh, over there. They, they think they have a legitimate shot to get him. Additionally, they're operating under the assumption, I believe, that Quay Davis, the junior college receiver, has actually already signed with Ole Miss, and then we'll actually we'll, we'll go ahead and announce it uh, later on. Now, I can't confirm that that has actually happened, but I can tell you that they're, they're basically thinking that, that Ole Miss has already signed Davis and that they'll just announce it later on. Uh, that's the junior college receiver we discussed there in the preview episode. I do think that that, that actually helps Florida State's chances here with, with McLean, right? I mean, there's only one ball to go around. Yeah, it absolutely does. I certainly not declaring this kid a lock or anything else. I'll, I'll just tell you that my perspective over the last thirty six hours, the confidence in the Moore Center about signing McLean has has only continued to trend in the right direction. So uh, we'll see if that bears out. But I think Florida State feels um, relatively confident as to where they stand with him right now. And uh, you know, hopefully that transitions from a Florida State perspective. Hopefully that transitions to a letter of intent being sent in on Friday. That would be a, a big get and uh, would certainly bolster a wide receiver class that desperately needs it. Indeed. Uh, Destin Hill will be another guy left, but he's not expected to sign in the early period. Uh, do you want to hear our thoughts on Destin Hill? Basically hit the, hit the prior pod. We, we went over that pretty in-depth. Him, him not signing out does not necessarily mean that it's going to be somebody else other than Florida State. Certainly, I think uh, LSU losing receiver JoJo Earl to Alabama today is not a positive sign for the Knowles there. But then again, LSU has not really been on Hill very much. So I wouldn't rule out the possibility of LSU popping in and say, hey, we're the in-state school. Are you interested? But it's not a lock that he would go there if, if they did start to show interest, although we'll, we'll, we'll see. That's kind of where we sit with that. And then... Did you happen to see the uh, the announcement from the NCAA tonight? Everybody confirmed something that we have been telling our listeners for a long time now, uh, but it, now it is official. Uh, transfers will be immediately eligible. No waiver process needed. None of this uh, you know, special circumstances. Just if you don't like where you are, go transfer somebody somewhere else, just like a head coach can do, or just like you and I can do at work. If we can go find a better spot, go take it. Although I'm actually, I would have not compete, so I could not do that, but I'm paid, unlike recruits technically um yeah like i think you uh i saw a tweet that you put out about an hour ago not unexpected what staffs had been planning for nonetheless uh you know probably good for the broader level of equality out there uh when you examine you know some of the coaches activities and the way that they have uh, verbalized that of which their uh, their own point of view on this is so um you know we'll see what kind of longer ramifications that has, but a interesting, if not expected, ruling uh, from the NCAA. Four State, let's say they get one of McLean and, and Hill. You know, that, that puts them at 17. They can take about nine more kids. I would expect at least seven or eight more transfers out of that number. I mean, this roster is going to look vastly different. If you end up taking, let's say you end up taking nine total transfers, including McKenzie Milton. 
that means about a third of your roster, or excuse me, a third of your starting lineup next year could very easily be transferred. We, we discussed this in the last episode, and I think it really holds true. Like this, this could be a very heavy transfer roster next season, which allows you to sell playing time for the class of 2022. Hey, man, look, look at our starters. Most of them are upperclassmen. The class we just brought in, we tried our best. But to be honest, we didn't know many of these kids in person. And we, we just, you know, like some of these guys aren't going to work out. We're, we know we're going to have a lot of transfers out of there. You 2022 kid, you're going to have a lot of playing time opportunity here. That, that's kind of how I think that's going to go. All right, man. That is, uh, that is kind of the class as it currently consists right now, or at least as we could see some of the other names on the periphery. Obviously, as we go through this transfer prospect, there'll be other names that come up. We'll do our best to kind of bring you up to speed as to where the, uh, the class stands. But for now, that is Tribe 21. And uh, yeah, well, we'll have to see what ultimately comes of it. Some, some real nice pieces, some good gets, uh, some disappointments. But uh, on the whole, a, uh, a good solid class that ultimately you know, has a lot of, lot of work to do if it wants to, uh, to reach some of the potential and some of the uh, euphemistic optimism that was thrown about it uh, today from the coaching staff. No doubt. All right, buddy. I'll see you next time. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles. Thank <laughs> you.